Welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church in Rome, Montreal. This is Sunday, March 27th, the 2022, the fourth Sunday in Lent. The message is by Pastor Dan Cook. The accompanist is Pete Temple. The lecture is Doreen Boken. Today's radio broadcast is given in memory of Harlan Helgens by his family. Visit us on our website at waynezion.org for more information. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Welcome to, it's fine for me to welcome you, but welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church. It's a joy to be here to hear the word of God, share the Lord's Supper, and proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed. My name is Pastor Dan Cookup. I serve as one of Bishop Curran's assistants for leadership and congregation transitions. You are not a congregation in transition, but I wanted to be here uh, to be a part of worship as uh, Pastor Wade is uh, caring for family and to meet you all. Uh, it's a joy to be here today, a joy to worship together and to uh, be a part of the community that you share here. Uh, I also bring greetings from Richard Current and the other 135 congregations spread throughout our synod. Uh, you may or may not know this, but every weekend, uh, more people gather than just those right here. But they gather all across uh, the state of Iowa uh, to hear similar, if not the same, readings, to sing similar, if not the same, hymns, and to worship definitely uh, the same God in Christ. And so it is a joy to be here together with you today. Uh, before our worship continues, I invite us all to pause uh, for a moment, uh, take a nice deep breath, and recognize the presence, of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. So let's pause and take that breath now. And with that, the service continues with confession and forgiveness on page 94 of your worship book. I invite us all to stand. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. God of compassion, 
you welcome the wayward, and you embrace us all with your mercy. By our baptism, clothe us with garments of your grace, and feed us at the table of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Welcome, Pastor Cook, to Wayne Zane. Our first reading is from the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt, and so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of the Cana that year. The word of the Lord. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the Lord to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. We are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. According to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with him. So he told them this parable There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country 
And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son came to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. And then he became angry. And refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I come before you today as an older brother. I'm the oldest of three. My sister is about 20 months younger than me, and my brother is about four and a half years younger than me. And so far, the older brother's sense of righteousness, sense of how things should happen, sense of what everybody else should be doing, checks out pretty well. I don't know if you are an older sibling, if you've been an older brother or an older sister, but there is something about us that for whatever reason needs to know what's going on 
and how things are happening. Needs to be in charge of what folks around you are doing. Needs to be in charge of the other kids. Sometimes tries to be in charge of the parents as well, especially if you feel like the younger kids are getting away with things that they shouldn't get away with. Boy, the weight is heavy on the shoulders of the oldest siblings. They take on so much. Often they see a world that is not as it should be, and for whatever reason, these older siblings feel like it is their job to set things right, set people straight, get everything just the way it should be. And the scary thing is that I have two kids. One is older, one is younger, and the older one is doing the same exact thing. She's five, her sister's two and a half. And any time Zoe, the two-and-a-half-year-old, is doing something that Olivia, the five-year-old, thinks is inappropriate or not in keeping with the way things should be, Olivia lets her know all about it, either with words or with picking her up and moving her where she should be. Sometimes she'll come to me or uh, my wife pleading with us, Mommy, Daddy, Zoe is doing something that she shouldn't do. And so then... My wife, Minda, and I need to help Olivia get a sense of the world again. Honey, it's okay. We're the parents. We got this. You go do this. We'll take care of Zoe. And Zoe, of course, is of the age where she's perfectly capable of moving around, getting out of being grabbed by her sister, and running in any other direction. I think that younger siblings are good for older siblings. Because they let us know, in fact, we are not in control. The world is not ours. All of the rules that we made up don't apply to everybody else in the world. And that, frankly, sometimes we need to loosen up a little bit. Jesus tells this story about these siblings and about this father when he is talking to a few folks uh, in the church world of Jesus' time the Pharisees and the scribes who were grumbling because people who weren't doing what they were supposed to do were getting to do the things that the rest of them got as a reward. Can you believe it? Sinners and tax collectors were getting to be with Jesus. We're eating with him. We're drinking with him. We're learning from him. We're building relationship with him. Can you believe it? People who weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing were getting the perks of being next to the God of creation in human form. How dare they? So Jesus told them a parable. That's how Jesus often breaks into people's conflicts and criticisms and complaints about how the world is going. Jesus tells a story, and he thought to tell these folks in the world who felt like they were in charge of everything a story about an older brother and a younger brother and a father who loves them both. He told these Pharisees and scribes, ones who were in charge of keeping order in the life of their faith, A story, he told them, about one brother who was loved despite his bad choices, despite his failings, despite his wandering, that he was still welcome and loved. And told a story to them about how despite their need to be in control, despite their very astute sense of right and wrong, 
despite their clear sense of justice and faith, that the older brother was still welcome at the table as well. Jesus tells a story about welcome to two groups of people for whom welcome was not a category they used in their everyday lives. Because you see, for scribes and Pharisees, and sometimes even for those of us who feel as though control is their gift and welcome is theirs to provide, Jesus told a story that the real welcome comes from God, from the creator, from the one who puts the world back as it should be. Jesus tells a story to these folks who maybe had a smaller imagination for welcome than they could, that the love and grace of God stretches far further, far wider than they could possibly imagine. Because in the story that Jesus tells, the love of the Father is not limited to a child who believes they're doing everything right. And it's not limited from a child who believes they had done everything wrong. The Father's love is true and real and deep and honest and active in either case. You might think that your choices have to do with whether or not the Father loves you. You might think that your or another person's choices are the defining characteristic of whether or not they may be loved by you or others, whether or not they may be welcome at a table, whether or not they may be invited to be in community. But in that case, we're probably thinking wrong. Because the one who offers the welcome, the one who provides the invitation, the one who puts the best robe on us and puts sandals on our feet and feeds us until our tummies are full is our God, our Father, our parent, our Jesus. We had to celebrate and rejoice the passage ends, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. You know, if you read through scripture and you look in the moments where there are parties and celebrations, where stories really, really get going and burst out of the page, where there is absolute excitement, where there is passion, where there is hopeful expectation for the future, you can bet in most cases it is a story about one who was lost and has been found, who is dead and has come to life. You can think back to the stories early on in scripture. Think of the Hebrews in Egypt who are set free from death in uh, Pharaoh's kingdom and are set free into the wilderness and into the promised land. Lost and found. Dead 
and then alive. Think of Noah and all those on the ark with Noah as the waters were raging outside of the ark. There was that limitedness, that stuckness, that closed-offness, lost but then found, set free on dry land after the waters had subsided, no longer dead but now alive. And of course, that story of death to life that we celebrate in just a few weeks now. That story where when we thought that all was lost, where Jesus, the one that we'd been following for years, who had transformed the way that we imagined God's activity in the world, that story where we thought it was all over because Jesus was hanging on a cross, the tomb was open. And then... In a few moments' time, what was lost was found. What was dead had come to life. Jesus Christ resurrected among us. We think he's the gardener because we can't possibly imagine that our Lord had come to life, and yet he did. God celebrates the found lost. God celebrates those who are now alive, who had been dead. God's work in the world is bringing about new life, new love, new creation, new hope, new possibility for all God's people. And if there is ever a moment when we are trapped, where we are stuck, where we are imprisoned, God sets us free. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Knowing that despite ourselves, God loves us. And because of ourselves, God loves us. Older siblings, God loves you and you don't have to be in control. You don't have to. Sometimes God will let you control a few things just so that you can live into that part of yourself. But God loves you. Younger siblings, continue to cause a ruckus. God loves you. Listen to your older siblings every once in a while just to give them the impression that they're in charge. Middle siblings, you get to choose your way in many respects. Whether it's control, whether it's that sense of freedom and running amok. God loves you just as you are. And for all of us who take on so many roles in our lives, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, whether it's as a child caring for parents, God loves you. God welcomes you. And whenever you are lost, you are found. Because our God is a God who makes the dead alive again and sets us free. Amen. Let us confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Drawn close to the heart of God, we offer these prayers for the church, the world, and all who are in need. Jesus formed the disciples in the ways of extravagant mercy and profound welcome. Lead your church to be a community marked by forgiveness, hospitality, and celebration. Send us to transform a world plagued by fear and condemnation. Merciful God, you make the land to produce a harvest that sustains your entire creation. Equip farmers and farm workers who till the soil. Nourish the earth with ample rainfall and abundant sunshine. Heal grounds tainted by pollution or misuse. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Countries are divided and leaders often harbor grudges. Reconcile nations that experience conflict, especially Ukraine, Russia. Act quickly to bring an end to war. Anoint peacemakers trained in the art of diplomacy and foster a spirit of collaboration among political rivals. Merciful God. Your people cry for help in times of distress. Resolve disagreements among family members. Save those experiencing financial hardship. Hear our prayers for those who are sick or grieving, especially Carol Helgens, Gwen Edwards, Kalinda Statmuller, Marty Scharf, Bonnie Tobiason, Jim Benter, Judy Fries, Karen Stolte, the family of Danielle Drake, Floyd and Jay Reddy, Digger Knaus, and encourage Vicar Holly Knaus and Pastor Wade Reddy. Console us with the promise that everything can become new. Merciful God, your love comes to us when a table is set and a feast is prepared. Bless the feeding ministries of this congregation. Bring an end to hunger in our community and around the world. Merciful God, the one who was dead is alive again. We give thanks for those who have died confident that steadfast love surrounds them. Shelter them in your love until we are gathered at your heavenly banquet. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Accept the prayers we bring, O God, on behalf of a world in need, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's share a sign of peace with one another, in however you do that here. <laughs> Let us pray. 
Gracious God, we give thanks for these gifts presented to you. Let them continue to be a sign of your love and grace in the world. Inspire us to give of ourselves, ourselves, our time and possessions, signs of your gracious love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gathered into one as the, by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of Almighty God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, grant you favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Jesus meets you on the way. Thanks be to God. Liturgy, copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, number A-729734, all rights reserved.